We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Turrbal and Yagra people, and their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and flood media is recorded on stolen land. All right, we're now recording. So, because um, I'll do the intro. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to Floodcast. Today, we're talking to Aaron McDonald, who's the Greens candidate for the seat of Barron River, which is north of Cairns. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a follow up to the interview we did with Tom O'Neill in Townsville. And what I'm trying to do here, as I did with talking to Tom, is I'm trying to get a bit of a sense of what's going on up in North Queensland, because I don't know where you are as a listener, but I'm in the Gold Coast right now, Joe's in Brisbane, Queensland being the uh, incredibly big state that it is, it's often hard to get a sense of what's going on in the other parts of the state. Uh, It's often hard for people in the major cities to stay in touch with what's going on in the regions, but a political uh, political party has to be national. It can't just be a party of the inner city. Um, it has to be a party that pays attention to what people are doing all across the state and across the nation. So with that in mind, um, we've got Aaron in here today and we're going to ask him a bit about uh, the kind of political work that he's doing up in Cairns and uh, how that's going. Uh, So, Aaron, I wanted to start by asking you a bit about your electorate, the electorate of Barron River, which is, I don't know anything about Cairns, so if you could give us, yeah, a bit of a sense of what Barron River's like and the kind of people who live there. Yep, okay. So, um, uh, hi everybody out there in podcast land, I'm Aaron McDonald. Um, Yeah, so Barron River is... um, it's a pretty pretty decent sized electorate. It's like from the sort of northern um, northern end of Cairns suburbs kind of thing. So outside of Cairns City, but um, to the suburbs. So like the northern suburbs and the northern beaches of Cairns, like right the way up to um, Wongetti Beach, which is I guess about 40 k's north of Cairns. I had to guess. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm probably overestimating that. Um, but it's about yeah, it's about that far up. And then um, inland, it goes inland, like to past the little town of Karanda and then past uh, Koa and up to Spiwa. So it goes in quite a ways as well. So there's like sort of several townships included in the um, electorate. And it goes from like um, sort of the northern beaches, as I mentioned, so like seaside suburbs um, up to Karanda, which is sort of a jungle village deep in the rainforest. And then um, further into Spiwa, which is sort of getting to dry country and sort of farmland and stuff. So it's pretty diverse, uh, ecologically speaking, um, and culturally as well, because of that um, pretty high indigenous population as well. Um, And yeah, yeah, a lot of tourism and stuff, um, as is the case in Cairns in general. It's a tourist town sort of thing. So I was going to ask, well, first I wanted to say, as, as Matt um, pointed out when we were chatting before the show, um, that you're Aaron running for Barron River, yeah. Aaron for Barron. <laughs> you, <laughs> you cannot lose. Um, uh, yeah, well, I really hope not. I feel like that's, you know, it's a match made in heaven. Um, yeah. I, I hadn't even realised until um, my campaign manager brought it up. He's just like, oh, dude, we've got, 
the hashtag we've got the slogan already <laughs> so, you're, yeah. you're in um but i was going to ask well i was going to ask about this kind of um class dynamic or class makeup of barren river for those of us who don't know anything about cairns as i also don't um is it kind of richer or poorer than than um you know in relation to the the inner city of cairns and also you mentioned that tourism is like the main kind of um industry um in the area so what does it look like now given that i would say i would imagine the the tourism industry in kansas is struggling quite a lot yeah yeah, yeah. real scary right now so class wise um uh geez kansas um the city of cairns uh, it's hard to say because like it's there's no um there's no sort of like uh concentrated uh class strongholds particularly um around cairns like there's definitely money areas where there's more um you know there's um better the better socioeconomic areas um with the better schools and the you know and the nicer suburbs or whatever um but there's but it's like one of the nicer suburbs in cairns is sort of right next door to one of the more um you know one of the lower socioeconomic areas where there's more crime and so on so like um and they're right next door to each other like they share a border so it's it's hard to there's no sort of like um conglomeration of the money areas particularly but having said that um if i had to be more general about it uh coming north of cairns is uh, no i can't even say that like some of the it's just really diverse it really is i can't really yeah. say like that it's um that it's particularly uh, one thing or the other in any particular area. So, um, yeah, sorry, class analysis has kind of gone out the window a tiny bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, well, this episode's dead then, we can't carry on. No. Yeah, sorry, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll just head off. Um, so <laughs> the other thing you were saying was, what, sorry, I got lost in the... Um, just about the tourism industry, um, oh, what yeah, the electorate's right. looking like now. So um, Particularly, well, most people come to Cairns, right, for the access to the Great Barrier Reef and to the Daintree Rainforest. So we've got two World Heritage listed natural wonders, um, you know, sort of surrounded on, on two sides by these really like these epic sort of tourist draws. Um, and uh, you take away international uh, travel and we're in big trouble. And then you take away interstate travel and we're screwed. So like there's, um, you know, Kansas has got a pretty busy airport. Normally people coming and going to, you know, to come and do the tourism thing and stuff. And that's just, um, it's taken a big dive lately. So the, a lot of the sort of tourism boards and stuff have been pretty quiet in the last couple of months. Like everyone's just kind of almost shut up shop because there's, there's just nothing happening. Um, so yeah, it is really scary. There's, uh, there's other industry around town and stuff, but like really the bulk of it hinges on, tourist on the tourist dollar because uh without the tourism then um there's there's you know if, if everyone's if the tourist um industry people aren't working they don't have money to spend in any of the other places and so everything kind of freezes yeah cool no thanks for that aaron um that's good to get us to locate us and give us a sense of where you are and where you're coming from so I wanted to ask next a bit about your background. Have you lived in Cairns? How long have you lived in Cairns? I have been, I moved to Cairns. Uh, my family moved to Cairns when I was about 13. 
Um, so I grew up in the Northern Territory prior to this um, in, uh, in Northeast Arnhem Land. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Most people aren't. It's, um, it's like uh, if you've got the, you know, the Gulf of Carpentaria where you have the Cape York at the top on the Queensland side and if you follow the western coast of Cape York down and it does a little bit of a, um, a, bit of a U-turn at the bottom there and comes back up, um, sort of at the northernmost point of the other side of the Cape, is northeast Arnhem Land and it's super isolated, um, yeah, mostly indigenous area. Uh, so I grew up in very small towns um, in Aboriginal um, Aboriginal controlled areas mostly. Um, and uh, yeah, moved to Cairns at 13 and lived here pretty much ever since. I've you know I've come and gone from Cairns, um, you know, pretty often throughout my time here. Lived in Melbourne for a little bit in New South Wales and so on. Went back to Darwin for a while. But I've always come back to Cairns and I've always ended up back here, um, you know, so here I am. Um, and how long have you been involved with the Greens for? So last time I moved back to Cairns was like in 2015. Um, my partner and I decided we wanted to, um, to get involved more in being a part of the solution um, in the world, you know, and, and trying to contribute to, to fixing climate change. That was a real big thing that drew us into it. Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask as well, like you're obviously a young person, um, Tom. Youngish. <laughs> youngish, yeah, no, I mean, I'm 29. So I'm, I, I classify, I've started classifying everyone under 40 as young. Um, yeah, cool, cool. I'm yeah. happy with that then. <laughs> um, Tom, um, who you interviewed uh, last time is, is also a young person. Um, so it seems like there's quite a few young people running um, in regional areas for the Greens. So hmm. I wondered whether that reflects um, anything that's happening on the ground in terms of like a yeah more regional youth getting involved with politics and in particular um, the age makeup of, of your kind of local Greens party. Um, is it still like mostly older people or is there kind of a, a youth surge happening? There's, I, I gotta say it's mostly older people. Um, it's mostly sort of, you know, middle-aged and above in my branch and in the neighbouring branch. Um, so, yeah, like we've, I've been, one of the sort of projects that I've had since joining was like when I, when my partner and I first joined, uh, one of the, one of the members there sort of made a joke saying like, oh, great, like you guys are here now. You've brought down the average age of the group to 65. And it's so, oh, God. <laughs> like, like yeah, and so I thought one of one of these things I really want to work hard on now is trying to re-engage the youth and get um, the people who people don't care they they're so over it they're so over all the snaking and the conniving and all of the like taking shots at each other and just lying to get your way everyone's just so sick of it and they've disengaged from it right um, but unfortunately and like I don't know if they're doing that on purpose to to keep people disengaged so they can keep railroading all these terrible ideas through. Um, but for whatever reason, that's the case. Um, and we can't afford for that to be the case, especially for young people. We're the ones who are going to have to deal with this the longest. Like we're the ones who are inheriting climate change and all these other disasters off of our, you know, off of our you know, parents and grandparents. Um, so, and we're, you know, we're the ones who are going to be very soon in a position to change it. Um, so I wanted to start now trying to push, uh, push my friends to become more educated on how these things work and um, you know and how, how best to approach it to try and to try and change it um, from within so yeah I'm trying to drive uh, a bit more engagement within the branch with uh, with some of the younger people 
Yeah. Yeah. My, my campaign in particular, I might just say, is like yeah. um, my campaign in particular has, because I've got a pretty strong um, uh, like network through some of the other things that I do, um, uh, some of the other community involvement I have, I've I've managed to draw a lot of young people into my into my volunteer base and into my support network. So um, my my campaign team doesn't really reflect uh, my branch so much. I think that's a good so thing then, though. Yeah, like, I think so too. I'm not sure exactly what to take from that, except that uh, this is just what it is, <laughs> but I'm not exactly sure what to take from that. But Well, you're kind of moving, I guess the aim of any electoral campaign is to move beyond like the institutional party structures and start engaging with a, you know, a, a broader group of people, ideally with, um, you know, cross sectors of different um, community groups. So, I mean, it sounds like you're at least taking the first step there. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, trying to get, look, it's supposed to be representative, uh, representative politics, right? Like, are we all feeling represented? Like, I don't see a lot of Indigenous people in there. I don't see a lot of young people in there. We're struggling to get women involved. Like, there's not, um, I mean, I'm not sure if quotas is how you fix that necessarily, but what I do know is that it's not as representative as it as I would like it to be. So I'm going to do what I can to try and to try and push us towards that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what is some of that other kinds of community involvement that you have? Like, what do you do when you're not running for the Greens? Okay, so, um, oh, well, for work, I'm I'm a um, I'm a roofer installing solar panels. So I do I work for a company that does um, electrical, so like primarily installing residential solar. Um, so I do that and then I do the study. But um, as far as like my community stuff, it's more like I've tried to use all of my different interests to try and create positive change and then like leverage them off each other. So like one of the things that um, that I do is I run um, events sort of like eco-focused music events. So uh, one of those is our sort of flagship festival is called Coalescence, um, which has been um, – yeah, an interesting project to work on for the last four years or so. Um, and it's basically like, um, how to explain it? Um, it's a music event. So we try to use music as uh, a bit of a draw card to get young people involved in conservation activities. So one of the main things we do there is we have like a tree planting, um, like on the property where we hold the event, we have like a tree planting project where we're trying to revegetate a cassowary area so there's like um they call it a cassowary corridor it's like two patches of cassowary habitat um separated by just like a thin strip that co that connects them and um if that strip uh that connects them being so thin is like it's a problem right because the cassowaries can't get from one set of food and one set of you know mates to the other um and they get isolated and they end up you know starving or, or not finding a mate and not reproducing so um, so we've sort of started trying to revegetate this area um, with the help of a friend of ours who owns a property. We've been put, putting these events on um, where we just sort of all turn up and plant trees. And the way I'm sort of conning all of my party friends into coming is by making it a music event as well. It's a whole thing. It's really cool uh, and super inspiring because um, I've just kind of found that if you have um, – you know, if you're doing a tree planting project and you try to get people to come out to somewhere or other that's far from their home and um, 
it ends up mostly being like retirees and um, you know the really committed young people will go. Uh, but a lot of the the young people um, who are bloody hungover on Sunday morning are not going to wake up and drive an hour to go um, get their hands dirty in the sun, you know. So we try to combine those two things and make uh, the tree planting actually the party so that people will be drawn to this kind of thing, you know, book an act that they they really wanted to see a cool DJ from down in Melbourne or something like this, right? And then they come out for that and you put them right in front of tree planting and people love it. They really do enjoy getting their hands dirty, right? But you, you sort of have to lead a horse to water a little bit first, you know, a lot of people won't seek it out on purpose, but if you put it right in front of them, they love to be involved. Um, and yeah, and then so I'll bring along, um, I started doing like a political workshop there try and like get um, people better, um, better acquainted with how our political system works um, and how they can make it work better for them. Um, yeah, so we've had the Greens come out and speak at some of the events as well. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a good way I've found to try and like pull people into it. Um, yeah, no, that is really interesting to think about and the way that you've um, brought people into these. Um, I, like hearing about the, the different ways that you have of um, bringing people into these uh, tree planting and like these different things. Um, like, um, but that's good to uh, talk about because it gets into something that I wanted to talk about next, which is what the actual campaigning is like um and what you've uh are doing on a day-to-day -day basis as a campaigner for the greens yeah well basically so so because um because i've got myself as the candidate and my sort of event uh partner he's i've taken him on as my campaign manager because so we already work together heaps doing these events and stuff um and so we've sort of just found, you know, we know we work well together. And so I thought, man, can you come and help me out with this thing? This is a big beast to try and tackle by myself. Um, you know, I need some help with the organization. So he's joined me um, and um, we've found that it's pretty similar, you know, like the um, instead of sort of marketing an event and selling tickets to it, now we're sort of, um, you know, marketing politics, you know, the political process and selling me as the, you know, as the ticket now. Um, so we've sort of just adapted the kinds of things that we do normally to try and promote our event. Um, obviously it's a different realm, of course, this is more like the approach to this is not um, just to market to people who are interested in parties. We're trying to really find that mainstream, excuse me, we're, we're tr really trying to find that like the mainstream, a way to break into the mainstream, which is sort of what we've been trying to do with the events anyway, because we want to make um, we want to make land care a mainstream thing to do. So we've been trying to find ways to do that. And now we're just sort of trying to make the greens a main thing, a mainstream thing that you would, you know, that, that you would vote for, you know, make it, make the greens, uh, seem just like, I don't know. I just find that the greens have, um, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's an image problem or something, but like a lot of the time, uh, the mainstream aren't taking us seriously. Either they don't consider us to be um, a legitimate, you know, there's always that thing of the Greens are a party of protest, not a party of power and this sort of thing. Um, so 
I've been, um, you know, trying to, in the same way that we have like conservation isn't just for hippies, everyone can do it. Um, we're trying to do like the greens aren't just for, you know, for protesters, everyone can do it kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah just I think to... that, sorry, I think that's just like, that's a very smart strategic move, which I think um, as a party in Queensland, at least we have been over the past few years, um, yeah, getting around to that position, but it's taken yeah, us a really long been. time. Um, and yeah. it's funny, like even here in Brisbane, people still get like I think we've we've done we've gone quite a long way towards making it a more mainstream choice, and you know we have actually won a seat in state parliament and looking to win a couple more this time. But people are still like often quite surprised when you like the oh the Greens aren't just about the environment. Like there was yeah, a um, right. there was an article I believe in the Courier Mail today um, that was like. Let me just find the quote here. Um, it was about like how the Greens are, are winning basically um, because the other major the parties are collapsing. Um, uh, however, so meanwhile, Pre Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk is attempting to portray herself as a devotee of the mining industry in a tough on crime crusader to sandbag regional seats. However, this has just opened the door for the Greens to present themselves as the only real socially progressive party running in the election, which is why they're churning out policies that have little to do with the environment, like free lunch, school lunches for all. And I just love the kind of note of almost note of outrage in that um, editorial. Yeah. Like, Stay in your lane. What do you think you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Not tree hugging stuff. Yeah. <laughs> policies that have little to do with the environment, but they're only meant to have environmental policies. Yeah, um, it's like, I can yeah. just imagine the headline, like, the Greens, more than one policy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, come on, come on, guys. This has been years in the making now. Like, um, exactly. you know, the, the Bob Brown protest movement and stuff was like 25 years ago. We've yeah. expanded since then, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, um, Definitely, I've noticed, just to reiterate what you were saying, in um, particularly in the inner city stuff, which is another unfortunate um, sort of stereotype that we've got, the whole inner yeah. city latte sipping lefty thing. Um, like, But, yeah, it has been good to see that, you know, that Michael Berkman could win a seat, um, and especially this time round with sort of those seven potential seats that are looking, like, achievable for us. Um, you know, very much so. And uh, seeing the um, the other parties, um, you know, in each of those electorates, but particularly Labor, seeing them sort of flounder and be like, oh, like all of a sudden they have to take us seriously. We're a legitimate threat. This is like um, an actual, like a problem for them in these, in these particular areas, right? And it's been such a long time coming to see that shift take place, you know, that this sort of... Um, the, the broader mainstream narrative of the Greens being a party of protest and just being, you know, these outrageous um, tree huggers that want to ruin development or whatever, you know, and it see us shed that image over over recent years, you know, in the last sort of decade or so, particularly here in Queensland. I'm sure it's been that shift has already taken place further south, but um, to have to have Queenslanders coming around to the idea of, uh, of Greens in Parliament is very satisfying yeah and i think in queensland in particular like not to congratulate ourselves too much um although i'm just about to do that we've done well at um i guess just you know presenting a broad social democratic agenda like i reckon for all that um the victorian greens have made more electoral gains like their momentum has stalled in recent elections i think partially because they have 
um, gone, you know, they've mm-hmm. become or positioned themselves as a party of protest around the issue of um, Adani and, and refugees, really, mm-hmm. um, both of which are really important issues. But, like, yeah. you, can you campaign on that alone? Like, does it change enough people's votes? And I'd argue that it, the, the evidence shows that it doesn't. Um, so, in a way, I reckon yeah. the Queensland Greens, like, I don't know, this opinion has probably been shared on this podcast before, but <laughs> I'd, rec- I'd say the Queensland yeah. Greens are actually, like, um, probably the most progressive branch of the party at the moment, just in terms of like at least our economic redistribution agenda and the policies that we're standing on. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you as well how basically how it's going, like trying to push that or advance that agenda in uh, North Queensland. Like, what are the kind of responses that you get when you're campaigning? Um, geez. Okay. So I get. Um... I'm finding that a lot of the time, let's see, there's there's sort of two directions I can take this and I'll, I'll approach one and then the other, okay? So so a couple of in-person interactions I've had just with people that I've been speaking to, not in a, not in a formal speaking role or something, just um, speaking about, the, about my campaign and myself in general. Um, I find that I'm getting a lot of those old stereotypes um, and a lot of the things uh, that you you hear people oh yeah the greens or the greens you know X Y Z and right and the X Y Z is normally something that's like it's something that they disagree with us about uh, but they can never really pinpoint yeah what that totally is. and I feel like yeah I feel like there's a lot of um, sort of disdain and a lot of um, people don't trust the greens because of things that they've heard probably in the media I imagine. Um, but they're never really substantial disagreements that people have with any of our policy positions or, you know, or people will say, oh, the Greens ruined X. Um, and it's like, we, we only just got someone in the parliament, like last term, you know, we, we can't really have ruined anything just yet. Um, so I feel like people have this idea of us that's, you know, I see all these ads like banner ads on the internet of, um, you know, some mining corporation or something is is paying for some ad that says like, you know, vote Greens last, vote Labor second last because they'll take away your jobs and all this kind of thing, right? It's just complete misrepresentations of our policies and of of what our plan is for Queensland. And either it's a misrepresentation or a complete outright fabrication. Um, And, I mean, partly it's encouraging because we're we're a threat, you know, that must mean we're doing something right if they're taking us this seriously. Um, but the other part of it is just really frustrating because there's like people with big money and big interest in keeping the status quo as is are willing to spend that money on basically lying about us. And there's not a lot we can do about it. It's really frustrating. Um, so when I, so to get back to your question, when I have these conversations with people and they say, oh, you know, the greens caused this problem or, you know, whatever thing it is. And then, um, well, they have the impression that we caused some kind of problem. And I ask them to, okay, so, like, elaborate. Tell me, what what have we done and how can we do it better? Um, they just tend to flounder a little bit and don't have a, a heap to say. So I feel like it's more of a feeling of the Greens being a problem than a specific, uh, you know, action the Greens have taken at any point. Um, and so the other, the other direction I wanted to take this is in my formal engagements, um, a lot of the times when I've had speaking roles at candidate debates and that sort of thing, I'm getting um, a lot of the ones, I, I'm not sure if it's just because in, I don't know if this is a Cairns thing or if this is a thing all over, 
but I'm finding that uh, a lot of the uh, local organizations that are motivated enough to put on events where the candidates get together and have a debate or a forum or a Q&A or whatever, a lot of the organizations running these things are community organizations and often environmentally inclined community organizations. So these are um, organizations that are aligned with Greens policy anyway. So I'm coming into a safe space to, to talk about Greens policy. And when I say, oh, the Greens want to um, invest in publicly owned renewable energy and we want to build a manufacturing, a solar panel manufacturing facility in Townsville, I just get a lot of appreciative nods from the audience. A lot of people who seem to think this is a great idea, right? Um, so, yeah, it's this sort of this thing where it's random people I see on the street tend to think we're bad for some reason they can't quite put their finger on. And then people who are involved and paying attention seem to think that we're pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. Look, I don't know. I think that our, our ideas are resonating. I feel like it might be a little bit that um, Bernie Sanders sort of uh, syndrome there where people all like overwhelmingly agree with his policies, but he's been cast in this particular yeah. role, you know, like this um, scary antagonistic socialist, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, uh, the the package that these policies are wrapped up in has uh, has a bit of baggage yeah. in it that people can't seem to get totally. past. Totally. But I would say actually talking about the manufacturing policy and the, the, the plan to put um, renewables uh, manufacturing plants in North Queensland, I would say that's the policy that I've swung the most votes on this election. Um, yeah, that's a masterstroke yeah. putting that together because it's the thing that we always – have been lacking in, I yeah. think, in, in past, you know, we've got these utopian ideals about how we're going to make the world a better place, right? And I 100% agree that these things would work once put into practice, but they don't have that concrete, you know, like people just want to hear 10,000 jobs, you know, or something like that. Like they want to hear the jobs and growth mantra. And we haven't really ever had, at least in my experience, since, as long as I've been watching, I haven't seen that we've delivered that, the message, um, that way in the way where it's jobs this is what people want to they want to hear that there's going to be jobs and we've always just said yeah we can make the world better by xyz but like how does that affect me personally yeah exactly you know it's it's the kind of message where our campaign mode of doing a lot of door knocking and having a lot of one-on-one conversations really comes into its own because as you say, most people are not going to, most people have a, a trope of the Greens in their head that doesn't involve mm. um, jobs for regional centres. Um, but when, yeah. and, so, and so they're not going to basically find out about that policy on their own. Like they never, they're, it's yeah. very unlikely to come across their radar or to register with them. But if someone comes to the door or calls them on the phone, yeah, when I've actually explained that policy to people, you can really see them being like, oh, my God, yeah, that's just good common sense. Like, I never thought the Greens would have policies like that. Um, I had that response from one of my volunteers when I, um, when, she, when I was talking about doing some door knocking and stuff, and, and she's going, okay, cool, like, where can I brush up on policy? And so I sent her to, you know, the Greens website uh, with the planning sec- the plan section, right, where it's all of, our, all of our initiatives for this election. And she's having a read through and familiarising herself. And she sends me a message like half an hour later, just going, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. This is just like, this is obviously the solution. I can't wait to get out there and tell people about this. (laughs) That is the big question that I'm continually obsessing over and that I think uh, you mentioned Bernie Sanders, and that's a good example of a guy who 
ultimately had all these good ideas but wasn't able to achieve this cut through and this ability to reach new constituencies to the degree, to the degree that he needed to. Um, and that's why I'm so interested in these, uh, this Townsville campaign and this Cairns campaign and these campaigns in North Queensland, which is an area where the Greens have historically had no base because it's a project of expanding to new constituencies and people who are not uh, politically engaged young millennials in the inner city, uh, not the natural base of the Green Party, perhaps older people or more rural people, but people who would be served by green policies. And it's a matter of saying, oh, like we've got to take these people seriously and understand that they have concerns that are not the same as the concerns of the people in the inner cities, but still deserve to be listened to. Um, what can we do for them? What can we do to make sure it's not just a one-way street? So on that note, I was going to ask you then, what are the what are the main political issues that people in Cairns are talking about? And perhaps not just the stuff that we think is important, but the stuff that people on the door, people in Cairns, like just the average punter, what do they care about? What are they talking about? What's the conversation in Cairns like? I don't know. Um, I mean, the tourism thing's big, right? People are concerned about, um, you know, that's a lot of our jobs and uh, directly or indirectly, are, you know, are funded, you know, a lot of our wages are, are coming through the tourism industry. So that's the thing that people are really concerned about. And unfortunately, there's not, there's not a lot in uh, in our policy platform right now that that I can really use to speak to that issue. Um, so what so what I've been using to try and address that is that we've got a lot of policies that are around um, you know reinvigorating the uh, the public sector right and getting um, more uh, more pushing more for um, you know building for building public land infrastructure and um, social housing and these sorts of things that are that are going to bring going to bring more jobs back in. So like using um, so using the public services as um, as a way to diversify the economy around here because we're so reliant on um, on tourism and, and once travel shuts down we're in a bit of trouble as far as that goes. Um, so trying to diversify where the money comes from in Cairns by, by doing the renewable, you know, improving renewable energy and those sorts of projects, um, you know, the publicly owned things. Um, that's sort of how I've tried to approach that. I was going to ask, um, here in Brisbane, uh, there's uh, certainly a lot of anger towards property developers, um, mining companies and banks. Like I would say those are the, kind of the, the axis of evil in terms of um, the Greens platform and those are the the um, companies that we're proposing to tax more and basically like whoever you talk to on the door um, if you mention making them pay more um, making developers banks and, prop and um, mining companies pay more the person you're talking to will be like yeah um, and I think Tom said that there was a similar um, sentiment uh, in Townsville would you say it's the same in Cairns? Yeah as far as uh, my conversations have gone uh, yeah especially after the banking royal commission everybody's got the shits with the banks um, we don't have so much of the issue of the property developers up here, um, and and yeah, the mining thing's kind of a mixed bag. Like we don't have a heap of, I don't know if we have a heap of uh, mining in Cairns. There's some fly in, fly out stuff, um, but yeah, most people are 
there's always that how you're going to pay for it kind of attitude, right? Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of money out there that's just being given away to people who don't really need it, but it could be being spent um, on people who, who do need it and could get a lot of benefit from it. Um, so, yeah, people are receptive to the idea of, uh, you know, of these companies who are particularly, um, for me at least, particularly the one that resonates with me is the mining companies because this is, you know, Australia's resources that are being mined sometimes by companies that aren't even based in Australia um, and the the royalties are, are insufficient. You know? the, the lion's share of the profits from our resources are going to to you know, to either a small a small group of Australians who already have a lot of money, or they're going overseas. Um, you know, Australians aren't getting a slice at all. So yeah, you know that it definitely speaks to me, and I think that the people, when you put it to them like that, people appreciate the idea um, that that this is um, this is our wealth. This is Australia's wealth, um, and these these big companies that are that are paying very little tax um, and not really paying their fair share for doing business in our country. So. Yeah. And that goes for Australian companies as much as as much as international as multinationals, yeah. That's it. One of the because I had a look at um the Labor guy, the incumbent whose name I've forgotten, Craig Michael Crawford. something. Oh, what? Sorry. Craig, uh, Craig Crawford is the guy in Barron. Michael Healy's in Cairns. Yeah. Okay. I, no, it was Craig, Craig Crawford then. Um, he was retweeting Jackie Trap. No, not Trap. Um. Oh, sorry, okay. he was retweeting Palaszczuk posting about the Skytrain and he was talking about labor funding in tourism. Um, and so labor's obviously running on this tourism issue. Um, I mean, what do you think? Because it's, it's quite a close race there. Uh, labor's the incumbent. The margin is not huge. The liberal candidate is, I believe, a popular local councillor. Yeah. And it's a seat. It's one of these... Uh, North Queensland seats like Townsville that has historically been Labour, that has mostly been Labour, although occasionally belonged to the, to the LNP, that mm. the LNP think they can possibly win if they get a good swing at the coming election. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you, what does that race look like? What are the other candidates talking about? And what is the what is the terrain that they're fighting over? Like, what what is the opposition saying, basically? Okay, well, so I'll just cover a couple of the smaller guys first as well. So we've got, um, we have uh, an IMOP candidate up here as well. I don't know if you're familiar with this party. Do you guys have that down there? I don't think we do. I, I looked it up, and it's the Independent Medical something. Informed Medical Options Party. Oh, uh, anti-vaxxers. The guys that are, yeah, uh, okay. basically... They're anti-vax, anti-fluoride, um, anti-5G. They're also, um, and they also align with us on a couple of things, which was a little bit confusing for me, but um, a real mixed bag of, of antis. Um, so the other things that, um, yeah, that they were anti was, uh, you know, it was using uh, herbicides and pesticides, uh, particularly um, in school gardens and in um, you know municipal areas like in any of the council gardens and that kind of thing, they want to try and remove poisons from those areas, which I was like, that's actually not such a terrible idea, right? And then um, the other kind of things that I'm talking about is like uh, moving towards renewable energy, and I was like, yeah, that's also a great idea. Um, but then you know all of the other the anti-science rhetoric that they that they put it in, you know, it's just, uh, a 
uh, just a mixed bag of things that I, I can't quite place place them. You know, they don't really fit neatly on the political spectrum anywhere particular. <laughs> and then we've just had a, a Clive Palmer United Party candidate um, join the race. I think a couple of days ago. Um, and she, as far as I can see, she's a bit of a paper candidate. I haven't seen anything about her. Um, she doesn't even have a description next to her picture on Clive Palmer's website. Um, and her email address is just the regular Clive Palmer email, you know, United Party email address. So um, I'm not sure, maybe they're still still building her profile up or maybe she's uh, literally just a stand-in to give people someone to vote for if they want to vote for Clive up here. Um, but yeah, the two main... Uh, two main competitions, obviously the Labour and Liberal. So Craig Crawford is, uh, by my estimation, is a pretty good guy. I, I don't know a whole heap about him other than he used to be, I think he said he was a firefighter and a paramedic for like 13 years or something. So, um, yeah, he's just a, just a, I feel like he's a bit of like just a cool daggy dude, you know, like got, not daggy dad like, the way ScoMo bunks it on, but like kind of just more like a regular guy, you know. He's pretty, he's pretty pleasant to talk to, and seems to have his heart in the right place. Um, and then um, there's, uh, yeah, so Linda Cooper, the uh, LNP candidate. She's been, she was a radio host here when I was in high school. Um, when I first moved here when I was 13, I remember her being part of the morning radio show on the, um, the local Hot FM channel here. <laughs> And uh, I brought that up with her when I first met her the other day, and she's just like, oh, I can't believe everybody, when they meet me, they still bring that up. It's like, I've done nothing else since that. <laughs> she was a bit frustrated that I wasn't really familiar with her as a counsellor, but I was familiar with her as a radio host. Um, but, yeah, so she's been a counsellor um, sort of up on the north side here, um, for, like, for quite some time. I think she's had, she's had a few runs in there. Um, and I think she's, she's fairly well-liked. She's, she's a pretty nice person to talk to, I think. Um, but... In in uh, you know conversation I've had with her, she's sort of presented herself as a as a pretty uh, caring person, sure, but also like as a pretty green environmentalist kind of person. You know, saying, "Oh, I really care about the environment and all the rest of this." And I'm like wondering if she's just performing that to me because I'm the Greens candidate and she's trying to meet me on my level or something. Because I'm like, if you're that if if you're that green, what are you doing with the LNP? <laughs> You're going to have to vote against your party every single time <laughs> in Parliament. This is a terrible idea. Um, but, yeah, she seems to think that she can change the LNP from the inside. So, okay, cool. Power to her. Good luck with that. Every um, every single member of the LNP and also every single member of the Labour Party thinks, well, we'll tell you that they're going to change it from the inside. Yeah. I was just like, why? Just... Uh, just being independent, or you know, or, or join Labour if you're if you're that much, you know, to the left. But uh, yeah, maybe um, maybe she'll be the one. Maybe she'll be the one that changes it. You know, she'll get elected and she'll uh, turn the turn the Liberals all around, and they'll be you know they'll be the Greens 2.0. Um, so Craig's uh, sort of campaigning on his on his history. Every time I've heard him speak, he said. Oh, over the last three years I've done this and I've done that, or Labor's done this, Labor's done that, and he's sort of resting on the fact that Labor's been incumbent in Queensland for some time now. Um, and, you know, if you want more of the same, vote for me kind of thing, um, which I found a little bit uninspiring because, um, you know, we're not trying to elect you for the term you've just had. 
we, we know what you've done in the term you've just had. What are you going to do next term? You know, if you want my vote, what are you going to do next term? Uh, which I haven't heard a heap a heap from him about that yet, um, and and neither from um, Linda actually. She's kind of just uh, sort of campaigned on her history as a councillor, saying I've been a really good councillor this whole time, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm really close with community groups. Um, but yeah, I have no idea what she plans on doing in the future other than reforming the Liberal Party. I mean, have you got a? Is there a bird? Going on in the is that just going? Is it really loud? I'm sorry, I've got headphones. It's a little loud. Oh, good. Yeah, we have lorikeets. <laughs> uh, we have lorikeets. Actually, we're, my partner's a wildlife rescuer, and she's got. Um, so we've got uh, a cockatiel, right? That somebody left at a Saint Vinnie's, like a whole a whole bird cage with food and water and stuff. Um, with two cockatiels in it left at the Vinnies and one of our friends works at the, the volunteers at the Vinnies and she called us up going, oh, you know, can you get your party to come down here and rescue these birds? Um, so we did and unfortunately one of them had to be put down because it had broken wings and I don't know how long its wings had been like that and who put it down the side of the road but it's just a horrible thing, right? Um, but the other one seems to be okay. It was just a little dehydrated so we've got uh, two lorikeets, an extra cockatiel, um, and a, some kind of a fruit dove or something, a juvenile fruit dove that was rescued the other day as well. So we've got a little bit of a menagerie in here at the moment. That's delightful. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. I like it. Um, fruit doves are really nice. I've never heard of fruit yeah. doves. I'm going to yeah. look them up. Well, yeah. look it up. Um, um, all right. Uh, yeah, that's good to hear about the fruit dove. Very important fruit dove update. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that is because I've been looking at a few of these uh, smaller regional elections. Uh, I looked up the one in Townsville as well when I was talking to Tom and I was trying to get a sense of what it was. And there really isn't a lot that either of these candidates run on. Like the Labour people don't seem to run very inspiring their campaigns. They just say, oh, like, I'm in here, I've been good, I've done a good job, mate, uh, for the community. And the LNP says, no, we do exactly the same thing, but better. And we get five cops instead of four cops. Yeah, and, there's been a yeah. lot of the, the cop rhetoric, hey? Like, a lot of tough on crime. There's yeah. Probably, there's, like, Corfoots up around town everywhere that, are, that say, um, you know, Labor's soft on crime. And, and all this kind of thing, and um, it's weird, right? Like, can they can they put up a sign that says "Labor Soft on Crime" and has the Labor logo on it? Surely, Labor didn't put that up themselves. Is are the Liberals allowed to put Labor's logo? As far this? as I know, I think yeah. Like, we just got a um, attack flyer in the letterbox today. Um, an attack flyer against the Greens and it's like it says do you, do you think you know the Greens and it's like it's formatted to look like a Greens flyer like it's green with a Greens flyer I know they've used our design language yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah as far as I know that, yeah I've seen them so the one about is it the one one of my friends in Brisbane just sent me a, a photo of his um of he just got this attack flyer I'm, I'm sure it is one, and it's like Talking about how Greens want to abort fetuses like after birth. Oh, yeah, no, that's a totally different one. That's interesting. I haven't got that one. Yeah, like Greens want to make it, uh, you know, want to take your Christian hospitals and turn them into free public hospitals where they'll, um, where they'll 
force you to do abortions at 37 weeks and even um, uh, something about like murdering stillborns. I'm oh, not stillborns, sorry, um, okay. prematures, you know, and all this yeah, kind of normal. thing. Just, oh, right. my God. Um, totally. We're not going to do that, but we are going to have Bill Gates inject you with Jeffrey Epstein's DNA in the COVID vaccine. <laughs> That is official Greens policy, yeah. just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also a 5G microchip so that we can uh, you know, track you. Uh, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're all on the same page about that. Um, um, oh, sorry. Go but, on, Matt. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so um, that's good that we've established that. Um, we're coming up to an hour now. I just wanted to wrap up then by asking you, what's your vision for the future of North Queensland? Because there's clearly some of these economic changes going on. Uh, Kansas, of course, different from Townsville. Townsville, we talked a bit more about the decline of mining and uh, the unemployment problems. And then it's Cairns being more of a tourism city. Um, that's a different set of problems. But with the decline of tourism because of COVID and then with the bleaching of the barrier reef as well, that's... Uh, another thing that seems to me that'll have a big impact on the tourism industry. So I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested in what you think the future of Kansas and what your vision for is for it is. Yeah, I so this is something I brought up last night at the Q and A as well. Like, um, if we're talking about how we're going to kickstart tourism again, um, you know, what are we going to do about the drop in tourism? Um, I was sort of like, okay, cool. Short term, we really need to, you know, try and focus on getting more local locals interested in the tour stuff that's going on in their own town. We need to get more Queenslanders coming up here to, to you know, bring bring uh, tourism within the state. Um, but long term, uh, we need to be thinking about protecting the assets that bring tourists here in the first place. Like we need to be doing. making the transition off of coal to renewable energy immediately. We need to do that yesterday. Um, we've had three massive coral bleaching events in four or five years, and the most, the 2020 one is the worst one of the lot, right? So this isn't getting better, it's getting worse. Uh, what are we doing about that? Our response needs to be like severe and immediate. Um, so, like, I guess ideally, I would, uh, the things that I want for Cairns are the things that I want for, for everywhere, really, which is just a transition away from fossil fuels to renewable energy preferably um, with manufacturing being done close to, you know, uh, you know in, in, so that Queenslanders can do the work and so we can keep the money in the state. Um, yeah, you know, like um, more emphasis on ecotourism and cultural tourism. I'd like to see Indigenous people more involved in the decision-making processes that affect them and their country. Jeez, um, I don't know what else, but yeah, the... Like, look, all of the green stuff, really. Like, I mean, this is why I'm, uh, why I'm a greens member and why I'm a greens candidate. You know, better healthcare and completely free. Um, better education and completely free. That goes for university as well. Like, I'm steadily racking up a crazy hex debt at the moment, um, and it would be awesome if that could just be forgotten about. <laughs> you know, paid for by, by mining billionaires um, rather than me and my, uh, my painfully small bank account. Um, Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, those are the yeah those are the sorts of things. Like um, it, it's all there in the policy platform. Basically, like there's nothing in there I don't agree with uh, wholeheartedly. 
Um, and I think the cans would benefit from all of the kinds of change that I just spoke about. You know, the uh, move just moving towards better efficiency. Actually, one thing that cans could uh, that cans could have. Sorry, let me start that again. One thing that I would like to see improved in cans, just with cans specifically, is public transport. Cans has uh, developed over the years and probably started out this way, um, but it's developed into into a really sort of motorist-centric um, urban design. So, like, everybody drives a car here. Uh, the public transport sucks. It's unreliable. It's inconvenient. It's expensive. Um, you know, the Greens have got a plan to improve that, and it's sort of a holdover from our 2017 campaign. <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, we could improve... Cairns Public Transport and make it more attractive to consumers um, by having more buses running more often um, and yeah, making them, yeah, having more buses and having them come more often means that it's more reliable and more convenient for people. Um, the, yeah, then you don't have to worry about parking and so on and congestion in the city and having those buses being electric would be a brilliant idea to a forward thinking way of getting us off of fossil fuels. As far as public transport goes, um, you know, all of those things would make Cairns a better place to live. Yeah, I mean, um, that I, I would totally agree with that. Um, the last thing I was going to ask was where listeners can find out more about your campaign if we have any Cairns-based listeners who'd like to get involved or anyone else who wants to um, follow you um, through your campaign journey. Where can they find more information? Yeah, best, uh, the best bet is Facebook. You can go to facebook.com front slash aaron.mcdonald.thegreens. Um, that's sort of my base of operations. Um, yeah, give me a yell through there and I can bring you into our secret squirrel organising group where we, where we have all our volunteers um, you know, helping each other out to get letterbox, uh, get flyers out to letterboxes and to get people along to events and so on. Um, you can also follow that page if you'd like a status update on the on the birds that we rescued the other day because I've been posting about it on there too. Yes, okay, I'm going to sign up. I need more updates. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. I'll post up a photo of the, the cute little one that we got back the other day. Unfortunately, there's only one Post, the, post the fruit dove. Uh, I love oh, fruit yeah. doves. Yeah, yeah. This thing, I'll post it. It's cute because it's so scrappy. Like it's a juvenile, so it's got these scrappy little feathers that haven't quite come in yet. And it's um, you know, it's the reason we have the the dove. The dove. Uh, it might be a pigeon. I can't remember. The reason we have this one though is because it was. Um, I'm not sure if it fell out of the nest or something, but it was attacked by green ants. Right, it was covered in green ants. When green ants bite, um, they like they squirt and inject like formic acid onto things and it burns. And so this thing got covered in ants and thus covered in acid. So its eyes were all burned, its feathers were all like mangled and just falling out, its skin was all burned, right? So um, so a friend of ours took it to the vet and the vet said, oh, look, it's probably not going to survive. If you really want, you can buy this expensive medicine and do your best to see if it comes good. Um, and yeah, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, this thing's looking way better. Its feathers are coming back. It's got its vision back. It's you know, it's able to move around and stuff. And so we've taken it on now uh, to nurse him back to health. Um, so yeah, it's a cute little thing, but it's real scruffy because it's um, had half its feathers burnt off and they're all growing back still.
I feel like there's an analogy there about, you know, the Queensland Greens and um, maybe yeah. like the, the Green Ants is like the, the Queensland Resources Council attacking us, but we came back and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nursing it back to health and, you know, yeah. like coming back with a full set Live to of fight another day. <laughs> into this, you know, into this beautiful, fully feathered uh, bird that can soar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I believe. Um, yeah. yeah, well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Aaron. Um, it was really great to talk with you and... Um, yeah, get another kind of perspective on regional yeah. politics, which is something, as Matt said, like, you know, we're based in Brisbane, but, um, you know, we're members of the Queensland Greens, so, yeah, and yeah. we talk about state politics, so we can't always just be talking about Brisbane. Um, yeah, so, yeah, really valuable to have perspectives like yours on the show. Um, did you want to say um, anything to wrap up, Matt? Uh, as a for Baza. As of a bazaar, all I have to add. Um, yeah. I hope it was, uh, yeah, interesting. The perspective was there. It wasn't just the same as the stuff Tom was talking about. No, actually, not at all. I was kind of wondering this, about that too, but um, I think we really successfully uh, avoided that problem. So that's yeah, good. good. Yeah. Just banging on about myself for now. Like, I hope it's interesting to your <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, no, it was really good. I uh, thank you for coming on the show. I actually really enjoyed that, and I felt like I learned a lot. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, anytime. No worries. No worries. Um, okay, you want to stop recording? No. And I will stop recording.